Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. Once again, joining me is... I'm Kevin. And we have a very special guest today. I'm very excited. Uh, my own pastor, who is also a Dr. Kevin. So we have like yes. two Dr. Kevins. So, so we can confuse everyone very nicely. We yes. Keep asking, what do you think about that, Kevin? And then we'll speak over <laughs> each other. We'll both speak, yes. <laughs> the, well, at least I'll call you pastor, and I'll call you Kevin. And I'm pointing at you respectively since this is a podcast and nobody can actually see where I'm pointing. We, sh- but we should clarify that, that uh, Pastor Gold and I, this is not our first encounter. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, we've encountered each other before. And, and uh, my esteemed, esteemed fellow Dr. Kevin here is, a, is an Old Testament Kevin. Yes. So that's the other way you could do this is OT oh. Kevin and NT Kevin. And NT yeah. Ke- yeah, so our two doctors are both doctors in exegetical... Theology. Theology. One Old Testament, one New. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Now, as much fun as we'll have with this, which should be said that uh, our mutual alma alma mater, where we did our PhD work, uh, had a blessed way of going about this that actually in our work, we worked in both Old Testament and New Testament. And uh, so, yes, we can jive back and forth a little bit here. But, hey, he actually... Has been blessed to learn a little bit of Hebrew along the way, and I know a little bit of Greek as well. So, it's yeah. it's actually one of the blessed things of our seminary is that when you are uh, studying biblical theology, mm-hmm. you take the exact same classes, whether you're an Old Testament guy or New Testament guy, right? Including advanced Hebrew, advanced Greek, mm-hmm. all those things. So yeah, we've we've both uh, been through the ringer. I've taught Hebrew, mm-hmm. um, and I've taught Greek, and you've taught Greek. So, I mean, this is, <laughs> I've taught more Greek than what I've taught Hebrew actually. And I've so. taught <laughs> about equal. Yeah. But I spend, yeah. sometimes I think I've spent more time in Hebrew. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a blessed thing. And, and, um, not only are we have a common academic ha- past, but we're, we're friends too. And that's, yep. that's, yep. A, that's a blessing. And this is our Christmas special. So those of you tuning in, we are going to be taking a break for the next couple of weeks after this. So it's Christmas. Christmas comes up next week. And as Christians, this is kind of a big deal for us, isn't it? Yes. This, yeah. this whole Christmas thing, it actually means something. Yeah. It's one of the high points in the church year. Yeah. It's found in the New Testament. Yes. <laughs> it is uh, It is prophesied. But I was going to say, it was, it was foretold in the old. Foretold, yes, in the old. All see, right. see that? And that's and that's how this always works, right? Yes. Is that is that when we read these New Testament texts, Luke isn't making this stuff up. No, no. And, and, and even the way Luke talks about um, the Annunciation, the Incarnation, the birth, mm-hmm. it's all it's all couched in old... It feels like right. you're reading the Old Testament, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and all the New Testament writers do this, of course, uh, that they're always hearkening back and you know, saying, hey, uh, like Matthew, this was in order to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. There he's mm-hmm. going with Hosea, and this is infant Jesus going down to Egypt with his parents. Yep. And, and you think of the Gospel of John when he wants to kind of clench an argument with authority. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, well, this is what was written. Yes. Right? And those words written is, is hearkening us back directly to the, the Old Testament scriptures. Yes. Yep, yep. That's kind of uh, the same way that the Old Testament prophets would do, thus saith the Lord. Right. In other words, you better listen up. This isn't Isaiah speaking. Mm-hmm. He's giving you the word of the Lord. And this also, of course, is one of the things that's glorious about Christ is you never get Christ saying, thus saith the Lord. He's just doing things like, I say to you, yeah. Yeah. he happens to be the Lord, and so he doesn't doesn't appeal to a higher authority because yeah. he is the highest. If our authority. listeners haven't read the end of the yeah. story, that gets him in trouble. Yes, it does. Yeah, he's, so they, they try and trouble. stone him several times yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. that kind yeah, of and, speaking. And, and it actually ends up him 
being killed for blasphemy because yeah. they realize what he's doing. Yeah, he's, he's actually claim, it's a clear claim to divinity. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's interesting. We we can we're trying to talk about the birth of Christ, but. We can't but help but already talk about his crucifixion because we're Christians and we're all about Christ crucified as well. But yes. let's go Let's go back to the birth um, here. We have a couple questions from some of our listeners about some recent articles. I say recent, but they, they kind of always pop up around this time. You know, the mm-hmm. secular world enjoys mocking us uh, because, well, what we believe is foolish. This is how you know you're always getting close to Christmas. And then again, when you're hitting Holy Week, that you're yeah. going to get... All kinds of things like this coming. Yeah, so we've got a couple different... I, We're not really going to deal with the articles, but just the ideas contain the articles. Uh, two that we're going to start off with, this idea of Mary's DNA, Jesus's DNA, where did this come from? Whose DNA does Jesus have? And there's this weird theory that there's some sort of kind of reproduction possible where the DNA reproduces itself, and you don't even need male DNA, which is just odd. Um but therefore, a virgin birth is scientifically possible because, you know, it doesn't actually have to be a miracle. So you can see where the secular world likes right, right. this idea of, oh, guys, it's not actually a miracle. It's not really a virgin birth. Here, Here's how we've explained it scientifically. And then the second one that has been making the rounds a lot more this year is this idea about Mary giving God consent, uh, to put it crassly, to impregnate her. And so... As, yeah, it's crass. It's it's like yes, oh, it this is, is <laughs> this is a weird way to talk about that. Right, and of course, uh, kind of in our Me Too era, uh, exactly. This is a big thing about consent. Yeah, and of course, hey, a Christian worldview kind of uh, says yeah, you, a man doesn't force himself on a woman. Right, but of course, in many ways, what this is doing is mixing apples and oranges as yeah. far as. Um, because this is not the same kind of impregnation. If Pastor, you, uh, can I choose whether I'm an apple or an orange? Um, Isn't that, am I free yeah. to have that opinion of myself? Well, I would self-identify yes. as a kumquat. Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that all right with you? Now you're really complicating. <laughs> yeah, now it's yes. getting weird. Yes. So let's talk but, about this consent thing first. And let, let's tackle that one first. So what are, what are our initial thoughts on this? Well, you could argue that she does give consent because what does she even say? Let it be to me according to your word. So she doesn't object for one thing. And she, hey, takes the Lord at his word. Um, But also, keeping in mind what was kind of briefly mentioned just a moment ago, is that this isn't as if a man is forcing himself on a woman and that there is a violation of the woman. She is not violated in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, a New Testament no, you, Kevin is yeah, scratching I mean, his so head. <laughs> it's really nice of you to say that, that she, she submits herself to this thing. But what choice did she have? I mean, when an angel shows up and says, this is what's up, yeah. you don't really get the chance to say, uh, I don't think so. No, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, especially so, because the angel is not speaking his own word. He's just simply a messenger delivering the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord supposedly I mean does its thing well I I think we just had one of our readings if you're following the three-year lectionary in your church we just had the account of Zachariah hearing from the angel and Zachariah is like I don't believe you and the angel said well then you're not going to be able to talk for a while and it's still going to happen so yeah so so, going against the angel as we address good we can't really pretend that she she gives her consent and there and therefore it happens Mm -hmm. Um, which makes us I'm going to say right off that makes us really uncomfortable this idea that she doesn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? And, and <laughs> so it's not like the angel shows up and says, okay, here's option A. 
-hmm. you're going to be a virgin that, that becomes pregnant. Option B is you're not, and you're just going to go about life with Joseph and mm -hmm. get married and have a And we're going to find somebody else to do this. And then she consents to option A, and we have the virgin birth. Right. That's not what happens at all. Correct. The angel shows up and says, this is what's up. So what her word is really essentially saying is, the Lord, you've got a pretty good thing going here, and I like what you're doing. So how does that help us as as we think about, you know, whenever the, the word of God comes to us? Because sometimes it does hit me in a way that uh, puts me in a difficult position. You know, we shouldn't pass over. Hey, Mary, this is not a easy thing that she is going to encounter here. Um, she's an unmarried girl in the first century. Probably pretty young. Pretty, pretty young, yeah. yeah. This is not an easy message for her to hear, and yet she receives it in faith. And, and that's, that's a big word. Faith in what? Faith in who? Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Faith always has to has, have an object, mm -hmm. and faith is even defined by its object. So here she says, uh, let it be to me according to your word. Now, Gabriel's right there, but really, whose word is he delivering? It's the word of the Lord, yep. and that's why she even calls herself a slave of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think this is such a big thing that we, we can skip over so quickly, mm -hmm. is that she's not consenting to some guy Mm -hmm. who has some plan that he's going to take this woman and do whatever he wants with her. She's consenting to the will of God. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that the scripture just presumes is that God is almighty and God is good. So when people say, well, she didn't have a choice in this, you know what I say? I wish I lived my life without a choice. I wish I was always doing the will of God. I wish I had no choice. And if you think about it, do you know what we call that place when that'll happen to us? Heaven. Heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bliss. Paradise. Where mm -hmm. we will live always and only according to the will of God and have no choice mm -hmm. to say no. I mean, th this is the this whole idea that Mary didn't give her consent and therefore she's oppressed is really the root of our sin. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's our pride. Right. And you can even see, in many ways, Mary there is the... Uh, going the positive direction compared to Eve, all right? Because, mm -hmm. hey, what does Eve say is uh, her outlook is, well, God said that, but maybe I don't want to go with what God said. So this is Genesis 3 stuff, the fall into sin. She's looking uh, for option B. Exactly. Yeah. She's looking for option B, yep. whereas Mary's going, what the Lord has said is good because the Lord said it, so of course it's good. Now, now see, that's, that's huge. Even an Old Testament guy will get it right. <laughs> but I mean... Tove, Tove, good. Tov, yeah. <laughs> Folk or Tove, right? Um, every... As, as you said that, you, you brought out something that's very important. Eve believed a word, right? Mm -hmm. But whose word was it? The serpent's word. Yeah, not the Lord's word. Yeah. yeah. And, and Mary hears the word of the Lord and believes it. And well, it's just an, I remind, I'm reminded of uh, I'm going to paraphrase here. Luther said, "Hey, when this happens, when Gabriel visits Mary, there's three miracles that take place. The first miracle is the appearance of an angel. The second miracle is a virgin's going to give birth. Third miracle is 
Mary believed it. And he says, that's the greatest miracle right there. Faith is the greatest miracle yeah. of all. And so one of the things, if you read, if you read, we're talking about Luke, really. You know, Luke 1 mm -hmm. is really the place where this is recorded. So we're kind of talking about that. Matthew doesn't doesn't have the same incident, but but certainly knows about it and, and teaches it. Um, so we're really looking at Luke 1. And, and I invite people to do this. Sometime just read through the story of Luke 1 as a story. Don't stop and say, oh, this is a Magnificat. This is the Nunciate. But read through it. You know what you're going to find? The Holy Spirit is doing a bunch of stuff. Yes. And and one of the things that you just said is that this faith of Mary is not her faith. It's given to her by the Holy Spirit. And and just as the Holy Spirit is active to make John leap in the womb and all this kind of stuff happen, so now Mary hears the word of the angel and, and the Holy Spirit gives her faith to believe it and to rejoice in it. Yes, and this is even uh, what puts her in such stark contrast to Zechariah, who was mentioned earlier, is that here's Zechariah. What is he told? Your wife is going to become is going to become pregnant, give birth to a son, and they're shocked. But he's shocked by the message because his wife has been barren. But hey, has this happened before? Well, yeah. it happens all over the yeah. place in the Old Testament, by the way. All right, <laughs> that the Lord uh, visits those who uh, have been without a child. He opens the womb, and so hey, this is the case with Sarah, Hannah, on down the line, many a woman. So it shouldn't, in many ways, shock him so much. But here you get something that is singular and unique: a virgin is going to give yeah. birth, and so Zechariah struggles; he can't take it in, but Mary does because the Spirit has so granted her faith. So when you look at it from, from an Old Testament point of view, and, and you look at the history of the women of Israel, mm -hmm. right? And, and one of the things that is a theme throughout the Old Testament is we're waiting for the Messiah. Hence all the genealogies that everyone loves to read. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but, and, yeah, and that's the thing. I know you skip them, and that's cool. I <laughs> skip them too sometimes. But, but sometime don't. Right. Sometime, you know... It's, it's kind of fun sometimes to sit down and read a genealogy, and, and what you realize is you actually recognize some of the names, yes. and it'll help put the story together. But what you're reading is, and in, I, I like to say it this way, is that you know, Eve has, has a son, and, and right away she thinks, cool. This is the one. God said we're going to have a child, and that child's going to be the Savior, and here he is. This is great. And then he kills his brother, and she says... Not, not so much. Yeah, I, guess, I guess I was wrong. I guess Wait, right? So for the have... second time in my life. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Adam doesn't dare say anything about that. Yeah. He just says, yes, dear. And um, which might anyway. No, the fall has already so happened. Then, so that's his only option. So then they have Seth. Mm -hmm. And what does it say at the end of Genesis four? At this time, people begin to call upon the name of the Lord, and we're like, great, it's Seth. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yes. Right? And and we just keep going with every generation. Oh, it's Noah. But it's not. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he's drunk and naked. And you're like, mm, not the Messiah. Yeah. And, and then and then all of a sudden we get to Abraham and he has a son, the Monogonais. Right? What and is it's that? him. Monogonais means the the unique one. Mm -hmm. The uh, one that is here. The one and only. The one okay. and only. The one that God talked about. Right? Not Ishmael. Mm -hmm. Isaac. And we think that's the Messiah. No, so it goes sorry. to sacrifice him. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. On Mount Moriah. Yes. Right there, the right place. And he goes to sacrifice him because that's the Messiah. Nope. And you just keep going. And what's happening with all these males is you have women 
right? Women who are giving birth to these sons and hoping that this is the promised Messiah until eventually what happens is they stop hoping. They just give up. Mm-hmm. It's never going to happen. Yeah. It's been, been thousands so of years. Now just yeah. give us a yeah. king. Right. Forget yes. a king. We'll have yeah, we'll the king. A king. We'll save we'll us. We'll take whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and Messiah stops being this guy that we look for in every generation. Just, well, maybe some king someday will be this great guy. Yeah. Right. And they all fail. And so the women just give up. And then what happens is kind of when they've all given up, God shows up and says, Elizabeth, you've been barren your whole life and you're going to give birth to a son. Who will? And, it's, and yeah, who will do what? Yes. And and all of a sudden, this this priest and his wife, who knows the scripture pretty much by heart. Yeah, he's a priest after all. The entire story of the barrenness of the women, of the hope of the Messiah, it all comes running back, right? And and as he's silent all those days, meditating on the word of God, he's reading his own story. That this barren woman will give birth to a child. Mm-hmm. But even that one is not Messiah. We're still looking. <laughs> yes. And 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 the, and this is the cool thing. The most least likely scenario. A woman who cannot give birth to a son, not because she's barren, but because she physically has never right, been with mm-hmm. a man. It's that one. Yeah. It's that one. And and the entire narrative is now climaxing in this virgin birth. And it also, you see that, of course, hey, this is what does an end to all the genealogies in the Bible, breaking everyone's heart, is that uh, you end up in the New Testament with just two genealogies, one given by Matthew, one given by Luke, and they happen to be the genealogy of the same guy, the genealogy of Christ, because once you get his genealogy, the whole point is over. Right. We're not tracking any longer because the one that was promised has arrived and let us rejoice. And now you are in that genealogy. How? Because you are in Christ. Yeah. And so is it still blood? Yes. But it's not the blood of Abraham. Right. It's the blood of Christ. Yes. You know, and then you have Paul picking up on this, right? So that anyone who is in Christ is now a child of Abraham yes. brought into the story, brought into the genealogy, brought into this amazing reality of God's story. And so it's this to which Mary says, I'm your servant. Yeah. Whatever you say, I trust your good. Mm-hmm. I trust that whatever the Lord says and whatever he has in store, I trust it's for my good. So you know what I do? I go to church every Sunday and, and my pastor in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know what he says? He turns around and he goes, hey, you know what? If you think you have no sin. You deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. I say, yeah, but you know what I also read? God is faithful and just. He will forgive my sin. So what do I do? I'm not scared. I say right out loud in front of everybody. I have sinned so badly. I have sinned in thought, word, deed. Yeah. When it comes and, to loving God, I haven't. And, and this is so exceedingly liberating, all right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, outside of this, what do I have left to do? lie about my sin. Well, that's another sin. But anyway, lie about it to say, well, it's not a big deal, all right? Or I didn't really do it. Or I'm not as bad as that other guy, you know. Uh, Why are you pointing at me? (laughs) Because I'm thinking about you, Peter, because I think you were in the pew a couple weeks ago when I brought this up. Oh, yes, yes, I was. I was preaching on this. And so members of my former congregation uh, had met in prison. And uh, that's always a fun place to meet your spouse. But they were both corrections officers, all right? And uh, by the time I knew them, they were 
in the process of uh, entering retirement, and boy, could they tell some stories. But one thing that I current I would uh, constantly hear them talk about is, hey, what does every prisoner do? They point out that they're really not that bad because there's somebody who's done something worse than them. You know, mm. at least I didn't kill anybody, or at least the guy I killed deserved it, or at least I didn't hurt a child. You know, that's kind of the bottom of the pecking order in the prison is somebody who's harmed a child and such. Uh, but the whole thing is there, it's always by comparison that you have uh, not done something as bad as somebody else. We have something far more liberating than that, that I can just own up. Yes, I sinned because I've already answered to that. I have Christ who has mm -hmm. forgiven me. Which, which means that we also approach the word of the Lord and say, may it be to me. Right? According to your word. According to your word. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I'm your slave. Make me your slave. Yeah. Take me. You know, crucify my sin with Christ and raise me up again with him. Mm -hmm. God does that. He promises in his word. He gives it to us in holy baptism. He gives it to us in the Lord's Supper. You know, that's really the point of us coming together in worship is, is we are saying, I'm a servant. I don't want my will. I want your will. I've been living my will. And let me tell you, it's not going so well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Amen. so on the topic well. of our of our will, then let's talk about that a little bit because if you guys have been listening to crucial conversations, trust is a big theme that we've talked about a lot. And once again, we've talked about trust and Mary trusting in God, ourselves and our trust. But uh, those of us sitting here in the room, we're Americans, yes. and for Americans, our will is very important. It's, it's kind of our identity, the essence of who we are is our autonomy. Yeah, our autonomy, yeah, our free own. will, my ability free. to determine my mm -hmm. own future. And if we're going to get theological, name it and claim it and all, all that kind of stuff. My will is kind of the highest value for me as an American. Mm -hmm. So, Pastor Kevin, how, how do we work through this? Because... We talked about the beginning with this whole Mary thing, you know, she she trusts, but in the context of our Me Too movement, there's also this, but we've now said pretty clearly, Mary's will didn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. And as an American, that bothers me greatly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it's all <laughs> about me. Through, how do yes. I work through that? Yes. Well, on one hand, you know, we have, when we grow up, we come to grips with certain parts of, hey, my will doesn't matter. Kind of like <laughs> when I was a child, you know, I thought it'd be pretty cool if I could fly. All right. So you climb up on top of the roof and guess what? My will, my desire to fly does not trump the law of gravity. All right. And I come straight down to the earth. All right. Now, as you mature, you kind of come to grips with that, that, you know, the immutable laws of physics, I cannot just with you know, wish them away, will them away. Gravity doesn't actually exist. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, here we see, go. See earlier podcasts. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we published that one. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That one's not public, not public yet. Yeah. We'll, right. we'll talk about that later. Anyways. Okay. Which I can imagine where this is going. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, you, you come to grips with, hey, there's certain things I cannot just will away. All right. And that's also true, not just when it comes to physical laws. Uh, when when you reach maturity in other ways, you recognize that's also true with uh, the rest of my life as mm. well. So even, um, hey, why do why do I believe in Christ? This isn't something I chose. In fact, you know, I believe probably for both of you also, you're in the same boat as me, that I cannot recall a time that I did not believe in Christ. It was just something that was given to me. Well, I remember yesterday. 
<laughs> which, well, there which, you go. Which yes. was a little rough. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, uh, yes, there is uh, the doubt that comes in. Uh, and notice, when does that happen? When I'm doing things in the way of my will. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's rather clear. Uh, I forget who it was who said this, that uh, it's not the things in Scripture that I don't understand that really bother me. What really bothers me is the stuff I do understand. Yeah. It's rather clear because yeah. God makes it clear that's that's evil. Right. That's not what you were created for. Don't do that. Yeah. Here's what you are created for. Do this. This is my will. And when I understand that, that really rubs me the wrong way because there's a whole lot of stuff I will to do. Mm. See, that's when that that's the problem reading words. the Old Testament so much. You got <laughs> you got this view of God where he's always yell, yelling at you. No. <laughs> See, and and that's why as New Testament scholars, no. No, that's really important because that's actually I a appreciate huge your issue. Kindness. <laughs> is that a lot of, a lot of people think that that the Old Testament is just this God who's kind of right. mad all the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, just what you said from the Old Testament, you know, where did Israel look for salvation? You know, it, it, they didn't see God as always mad at them. No. Not at all. No. So read so, the Psalms, all right, and the, hey, the joyful anticipation of what the Lord gives and beyond the Psalms as well. And how, do, how does God identify himself in the Old Testament? What does he say? Yeah. Now, I would put this as the pinnacle. If you really want to understand who God is, it's his self-revelation by giving his name. Whenever God gives his name, he's given you who he is at his very core. Mm-hmm. And so when you go up uh, to, for example, Exodus 34, Moses going up on Mount Sinai, and God says, I'm going to let you see my back. And as you do so, I'm going to proclaim my name. I'm going to let you know who I really am because you're going to see me. All right. And so what does he say? He proclaims his name, Yahweh, 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 and he does not say a God who is vengeful and angry and, well, to use the language of some other theologians, um, sovereign and almighty or something like that. No, the how he identifies himself, so this is who he ha- is at his very core, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Hmm. That's who he is. See, and that's... And that's the God to whom Mary says, let it be to me. Yes. Right? And that's the God that we come to at the foot of the cross and say, let it be to me. Yes. And if yeah. and if that means that the law has to condemn me and put my sins to death and say, you need to repent, mm-hmm. let it be to me. Yeah. Now, this isn't a typical, uh, well, not even typical um, Christmas <laughs> hymn. All right, doesn't come up in Christmas at all. I've never sung it at Christmas time, Advent, or anything. Uh, but I think of Paul Gerhardt, who uh, has this wonderful hymn, "What God Ordains Is Always Good." Mm. Now that that's a great statement of faith, because there's plenty of times when my life is saying the exact opposite on a daily basis. Every time I sin, I'm basic. I'm saying to God, "What you have ordained, what you have said is good and right. I disagree with, and I know better than you." Yeah. But now we can't leave the story. So Mary goes, this is great. Let's do it. Right? I agree. Whatever you want, I'm your slave. Well, now she's got to go deal with reality. Mm-hmm. You know, now she's got to go tell Joseph. And she has to go explain this to everybody else. Because yeah. it's not going to take terribly long before there's going to be a bump. And yeah. and 
they're they're much like the Lutheran Church. I think back then there's going to be some rumors yes. going around. <laughs> yes, yes, pretty quick on Facebook and otherwise. Mm-hmm. I I don't think it's just the Lutherans who have rumors. Well, I we're I not the only, only ones with prayer chains. I can only, yeah. I can <laughs> Oops! Only point oh, the, did I just oh, say that out loud? I can only point the finger in one way because that's you know myself. <laughs> yes, but, this is true. But that's the reality of it. Is it's it's Mary didn't walk away from this and didn't walk around on clouds and you know everything was wonderful and rosy. Right. As a matter of fact. It, it's a pretty rough go of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even you would think, okay, so here's the deal. God's been waiting thousands of years for his son to be incarnate in the womb of Mary and then for nine months and then on Christmas Day, right, when all the stores are busy and everything, he's finally born. No one notices because they're out shopping for gifts, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and you would think he's going to be born in some ostentatious, finally, you know, and Mary's going to have the easiest of labors with the midwives present mm-hmm. and, and all this, you know, from Egypt, we have midwives and they did a great job. And so God's going to make sure they're there for her. And she's going to have all this att- these attendants and her family's going to be around taking pictures, right? And so she, she walks out going, yeah, let it be, be to me as you desire. And what happens? Things go uh, very difficult for her. Yeah. Th- maybe even this explains why she goes and she spends time with Elizabeth. Uh, because after all, hey, I get some distance, and here is my uh, relative who's now with child. Maybe she'll be sympathetic, etc. Mary needs distance. In, in a way, it sounds like Mary's life basically mirrors the life of all Christians. We, we think... Well, now that I'm a Christian, now that I'm saved, the, let's bring on the blessings. Let's go. This, this, everything should be good for me now because you know God is on my side. Um, and, and yet, if we're honest with ourselves, our our lives as Christians mirror more Mary's life in constant difficulty and this this son that she had difficulty in in carrying and bearing and raising ends up getting killed and her, her difficulty just never right. seems to end yes and it's a good reminder to us this is a uh, healthy way to appropriate mary look at that lutherans holding up mary <laughs> and uh, specifically she's a great example to us this hmm. is what a faithful life looks like now that doesn't mean she was without sin no certainly she's right. a sinner just like you and i yep uh, and hey that's part of the life of faith is confessing your sin receiving absolution but um yeah her life of faith didn't mean life was easy, but quite the opposite. Yeah. And and so we go back to this idea of the word, right? That it we don't measure the faithfulness of God by our life circumstances and say, well, God made promises. Uh, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, and everything mm-hmm. worked out great, so I know God is faithful and God loves mm-hmm. me. That's not how it works. No, it's not. It, and, and we're right again with Mary and her response. Which, which is to the angel saying, you found grace with God. You found favor with God. Mm-hmm. And, and the result of, of God's favor is the giving of his word. And when we trust in that, see, our circumstances don't define God for us. It's his word. And specifically his word of promise. Mm-hmm. Right? And when we go to God and we say, are you going to keep your promises? Well, he has one answer for us. And that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there... All the promises, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes yes in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so to him, the amen is spoken, right? To the glory of God. And, and this is really a huge thing for us. We believe 
It's written down in some book somewhere. That the word, <laughs> it is written. Yeah, it is written. <laughs> that, that the word actually does what it says. Yes. And and we we don't just say that like, well, yeah, that's a good idea. No, we believe it. Yeah, this is part of the uh, significance of Genesis 1. Ooh, Old Testament again. You'll, Yay! You, you, I prefer yeah. John's version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get it there also in John 1. Uh, but, you know, how does everything come into being? All right. Simply by the Lord speaking the word, because the Lord's word does what it says. You get the same thing in John one. Yeah, in the beginning Moses was the word. fifty chapters for what John did in one phrase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that actually brings us to our final question that I that I want to ask as we're wrapping things up here. Um, John one, Genesis one, specifically Jesus Himself, because we are celebrating Christmas and the incarnation. In, in my mind, as, as a layman, one of the tendencies I have as I'm sitting here, you know, in the, in the pew at Christmas, listening to sermons, singing the hymns, there's this idea that Jesus became human because I'm a human, and it's kind of a response to me already being human, and that's why Jesus had to become human, or incarnate is the, is the big word we use for that. But I think that's actually backwards, yeah, kind of. Right, right. So, Pastor, you talk first, and then we'll have Kevin talk. So, we Old, to, Old Testament first. Yes, how does say, this work? We get to go back to Genesis one again. <laughs> all right, because you know how are Adam and Eve created in the image of God? All right. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, so when Christ, the Son of God, takes on human flesh, it's not as um, yeah he. It's weird to talk about, isn't it? Yeah. It, know, it's, it's difficult, it so it's okay. Because it's so different than what we typically think. Yeah. Right? But it's not as if, you know, he's coming into our image, but rather we were created in his image. Right. And that's and when Colossians says that he is the image of the invisible God. There you go. Yeah. See, it, it's... When, when we see Christ as really the word of God incarnate, as... as as God for us, as a definitive action of God for mankind, it's it's Jesus Christ, and we also learn that that we're actually created to be in Him. Yes, right. And it's also a good reminder that being human is a good gig. It's, <laughs> it's a very good gig. And uh, you know, so our one of our little phrases, "Well, you're only human." Well, that's not a really good phrase. You know, if we can uh, get a proper theology and say, "Well, you're only a sinner" or something. You know, <laughs> that's a, you know, my problem is not that I'm human. My problem is that I'm a sinner. So, so Psalm eight, right? Mm-hmm. What is man mm-hmm. that you are mindful? That of you're him. mindful of him. And and the weird thing is, in that psalm, who's it about? <laughs> it's probably more about Jesus. Yes, right. Yeah. According yeah. to the writers of mm-hmm. the New Testament, and and we have this psalm that right away kind of confuses us, and and the whole idea that the Son of Man, right? This whole Son of Man term mm-hmm. that Jesus used to describe himself. He it's the it's only used by Jesus to describe himself. That's the only way it's used, except for one place. And that's in Acts 7, where mm-hmm. Stephen uses it. But every other time, it's a self-designation of Jesus. And the problem is, it's ambiguous. Because mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, that phrase can simply mean human being. Yeah. And, and this is so huge, is that when Christ came, right? The incarnation with the Annunciation and then the birth at Christmas. Not only did he just come to rescue us from sin, but he also said, you know what? Being created as a human is a blessed thing. Yes. And now every human you see, mm-hmm. every human, is is one for whom Christ has died. And and they 
are also a treasure. Mm -hmm. Their life is important. Yes. And might I also say, this is a great thing that the Old Testament prophets (laughs) love to do is linking creation and salvation together. All right. The God who creates is the same God who saves. And therefore, this is why the doctrine of creation is so incredibly important because it's you cannot separate it from the doctrine of salvation, redemption, justification, etc. So Isaiah 43 starts. There's a great one. Right. How does it start? Yeah. Uh, I, he who formed you, O Israel. Uh, I have, well, it's actually the Lord speaking right, to the them. Lord speaking. Yeah, yeah. And he says, I have created you. I have formed you. I have called you by name and you oh, are mine. mine. I mean, that is, that's the, the creator. Yeah. Savior. I mean, yes. just right there in the way Isaiah mm-hmm. addresses that. And you just keep reading that passage, and it's just God hitting them over yeah. and over with how much he loves them and how much this creator is the God who saves. Yeah. And so think of it this way nicely in our kind of our regular creedal terms. First article of the creed cannot be separated from the second article, and it cannot be separated from the third article. All three just hang together as the uh, work of God. Which means, Pastor, that God... Father, Son, Holy Spirit loves you. Amen. Yes. There, there's no, the Father's against me, but Jesus is kind of looking out for right. me. It, it is the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the one essence, one substance, three persons. They're all in for your salvation. Amen. And Yeah, amen. So as we're, as we're wrapping up here, Pastor, as people are heading into the Christmas week, they might be hearing their pastor preaching about about Mary, about the Incarnation. Um, for yourself, what are some of the ways that you're going to work these themes into your sermons? We might even, Maybe we're helping you with sermon prep today. I don't know. Hey, you never know. <laughs> um, I've got a host of sermons that are kind of cooking right yeah, now. Yeah, you've got, and you've got a whole bunch coming yeah, up here. Yeah. Um, what, what might, how might these fit in? And also, if, if a pastor isn't saying things exactly the way we're saying them mm-hmm. tonight, that doesn't mean that they're like off in left field. We're right. simply talking about some ways that, to talk about this too. Mm-hmm. So wrap us up with your, your sermon thoughts coming so up here. This is what I've been doing throughout the season of Advent, and I'm going to do it on into all the Christmas Eve, Christmas Day services, and then also uh, even uh, throughout the Christmas season leading up to Epiphany is all the sermons have the title fulfilled and then a subtitle. Hmm. So it's always about, here's a promise given by God, and where do you find it fulfilled? In Christ. Hmm. That's where all the promises of God find their fulfillment. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Golden, for joining us. I forgot to say he's pastor at Village Lutheran Church here in Ladue, Missouri. We're actually sitting in your office as we record. We've gone on the road. Yeah. It's like an on-the-road special today. On the road um, again. Thank you so much for being with us today. And Dr. Kevin, who's who's always right. with us here, thank you to both of you, our New Testament, Old Testament. This has been Crucial Conversations. If you're considering an end-of-the-year gift, looking for a charity to give it towards, we are a nonprofit charity, 501c3. Head over to crucialproductions.org slash give now. There's links below in the description as well. Uh, anything you can give would be wonderfully helpful to us. We would appreciate that. Find us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're kind of all, all over the place. Join our Facebook group, The Grok Mood, which is a funny kind of name. But the link for that's down below in the description too. Um, but thank you once again. This has been our Christmas special. We'll be off for a couple weeks back in the new year. And we haven't decided what our next topic's going to be. But we'll come back with something that's about Jesus for you.
Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.